are listening to a podcast from C3 Church Wallandilly. For more episodes and information, please visit our website at c3wc.com forward slash Wallandilly or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash C3 Wallandilly. This week has been a pretty crazy week. It's been a crazy week on all accounts, coronavirus aside. Work's been crazy. I've been really busy, done lots of overtime. Um, had a really big win, was on the news, my blurred, blurred out face was on the news, so you probably didn't see me, that's okay. Um, but you know what, last week we, Shu and I and the kids, we went away, Burrell Lake, um, in the caravan for a week, and man, I had the best time um, working through a book, Healing the Wounded Heart, and God has really been um, working on me and really transforming me and healing some deep wounds that came about when I was a kid and teaching me that I'm, I'm full of worth, I'm not worthless, I'm full of worth, that God loves me um, and he loves you guys. And I, I really hope that today as we, we dig into the word, that he, he speaks to us. And firstly, I want to just honor our pastors who are having a well-deserved rest. How good is rest? been reading about Sabbath, and I know a lot of us have been reading about Sabbath and watching the Bible Project stuff about Sabbath, and one thing that I've learned about Sabbath is not that it's um, a recovery from work, but it's a preparation for work, so that when we, we rest and we, we get ourselves ready so that we can do, do the work that God has for us, and that's what our pastors are doing at the moment. They're taking some time to, to rest and get themselves in a space where they're ready to do the work of the ministry, and man, what a great work it is that they do. I'm so honored to be able to stand here in this pulpit. This is my third time preaching, and, and it's, it, it never gets, um, I, I, what, how do I say it? The, the responsibility is huge, and the, I suppose the task is, is quite massive, so I'm very honored. With that, let's, let's just pray. God, we come before you and we thank you so much that you are here in this space, in this place with us, that you have, you've set aside this, this time. We stand before you and we, we acknowledge that you are a holy God and that we are in desperate need. We thank you, God, that you are good. You're a good father, that you have good things for us that you are glorious, that you are above every other name, that you are great, and the things that you do are great, but God, that you are a gracious God, and that you've given us the grace of your Son. Father, as I speak, I pray that your Spirit would minister in the name of Jesus. Amen. So the last couple of days, my beautiful wife, Shu, she's been at Color Conference, um, it's been amazing for her. She had a, a great time there. Um, but as she goes off to color, I get to be a full-time dad, which is good. I love it. It's great. It's, a, it's it, you know, there's, it's not that I do it wrong. I do it different, yeah. you know. And uh, yeah, video games happen, and vit and movies, and we eat Doritos, and and so yesterday, Justice woke up and the first thing he did, the first thing he wanted to do is make Lego. And so I 
made some Lego with him, and he's got this um, spaceship that he got given for, for Christmas, and um, he's like, Dad, can we make that spaceship? And we've made all these other ones, so we're like tackling this spaceship, but I, I'm like a learn-as-you-go kind of guy, and so I, I gave it to him, I said, all right, man, you, you're going to make this thing, and I'm going to make one too. The difference was he had an instruction manual. He had all of the instructions, and he could follow it and, and make his own, and all I had was the box. And even this morning, I was going to bring my Lego to show you, but I, I forgot all about it. But let me tell you, the Lego I made was terrible compared to the Lego that he made. He's had, like, all of the rounded wings and the flaps and all that stuff, and mine just looked like a brick in the shape of a maybe a T, a little bit like a T. But, man, it looked terrible compared to the one that Justice had built. But you know what? I didn't even really get time to finish mine because by the time Justice was finished, I was like halfway through what I'd envisioned to be this majestic spaceship that never eventuated. And as soon as he was done, he was done. And he wanted to move on and do something else. And so I had no opportunity to finish my spaceship. The title of my message today is Pass Me the Instructions. Pass me the instructions, and I know that that's probably a, um, maybe it's an oxymoron, I don't know, but it's, often, it's definitely a saying that doesn't come out of a man's mouth often. <laughs> Have you ever had that experience? How, how good are flat packs? You know, you do a flat pack, and man, you, oh, sometimes they're in Chinese, and you have to read them upside down. Pass me the instructions. There's, I'm a child of the 90s, and... In the 90s, and I'm also a musician, so I'm a child of the 90s, but I'm a musician. And so in the 90s, music was my outlet, but it was also my voice. And there was a man by the name of Chris Cornell. Some of you guys probably have never heard of him, but he's a pretty famous guy from as far as 90s alternative music is concerned. He's one of the best. He spoke for a generation along with his contemporaries being Kurt Cobain and, and others. But Chris Cornell, he wrote a song, and it's called Show Me How to Live, and this is from his band Audio Slave. And the lyrics, I'll skip over the, the first part, but in the chorus it, it's, it goes, Nail in my hand from my creator, you gave me life, now show me how to live. And Chris, he struggled with alcohol addiction and drug addiction for the majority of his life. And he was part of um, the 12-step program. So be it Alcoholic Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous, that was something that he would regularly attend. And I believe that this song, I mean, you jump on the internet and you look up song lyrics and people have their ideas. And some of them are really out there. And some of them are pretty, ring pretty true. And I've, I've studied a lot of his songs, being a songwriter myself, and often you see his wrestle with God, his wrestle with um, his humanity, his sinfulness, his need for a saviour and, and, and God. Um, and in the 12-step program, there's a step, I believe it's step number six, but I can't remember, um, but there's a prayer that's attached to it. And the prayer is, God, I offer myself to thee to build with, to build with me and do with me as, they will, as thou will." 
Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those who I would help of thy power, thy love, thy way of life. May I do thy will always. God, take my will and my life. Guide me in my recovery. And here's the line. Show me how to live. Chris Cornell, he was crying out to his creator in this, in this majestic rock song. Check it out. It's um, Audio Slave, Show Me How to Live. The bookstores, they are full of rows and rows of books of self-help. It's probably one of the, one of the most bought books is, is a self-help book. How do I live? We've been, we're inundated with people on YouTube or Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn or whatever it is that you go to with people teaching us how to live. If you've been around church for a while, you probably know what this book is. Mine doesn't say it on the front. It's the Bible. And if you're aware of um, acronyms, you probably know the acronym for the Bible. Does anyone know it? Anyone know it? So B-I-B-L-E, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. Okay, so Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth, right? Just as Chris Cornell, he is crying out, for someone to show him how to live, and I was in desperate need of some instructions in order to build myself a spaceship that actually looked like a spaceship. We are in need of instruction before leaving Earth. But right now, we have the opportunity, and this is, this is a book that I've been reading for probably a year now. Um, I, I get teased all the time from Pastor Rowan that I've been, you know, I've been in this book for so long, but it's a book that I'll read two pages and I have to sit for half an hour and think about what I'm learning and what I'm reading. And this is my book. It's called Studies on the Sermon in the Mount. And if you haven't got it, man, and you want to waste three years of your life, but that is, that is a book to read. It is fantastic. Martin Lloyd-Jones is, is definitely one of my favorite theologians and he, he goes so deep. And this book is transforming me as it explains this book, which is transforming me as well. In the Sermon in the Mount, we have an opportunity to speak, to hear from the creator of all things, the one who created us, who knows how we should live. And in, the, in the, those, that sermon, he teaches us how to live. He gives us some really clear instruction how we should live. So what I want to do right now is just read to you guys the, the Beatitudes. And I know that Pastor Terry even is, is, is into the Beatitudes at the moment. And, and so is Anne-Marie. And they're, they're so incredible. So from Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are those 
who are pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for, God will be, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Wow. Now, I don't want to take a deep dive into the Beatitudes, so we're not going to be here for six hours. It's all good. It is a, each of those is a sermon series in its own. But what I want to show you guys is how Jesus was putting before us a set of instructions on how to live our life. He was showing us how to live, and he was showing us how to um, live the life that he created for us to live. These are our instructions. I want to show you that each and every beatitude cannot be fulfilled unless you fulfill the one before it. So with that, we'll start with blessed is the poor in spirit. And in the in the poor in spirit, we have a, a, a problem. A lot of people believe that, the, that, the, um, that first beatitude is talking about poor people. But what I want to show you quickly is that we, we might have a grammatical error or a battle that we have to fight to understand. So if we could have that slide, please, Lisa, the grammar one. Yeah. Grammar makes all the difference. Yeah, so we can either eat grammar or eat with grammar. So what I want to show you is that there's no comma. There's no comma after poor. There, there is a comma after the sentence. It's one sentence. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Okay, so if we know that the poor in spirit aren't the poor, we're not blessed in spirit because we're poor. We are blessed because we are poor in spirit. Okay, so what I want to do is define poor in spirit. To be poor in spirit doesn't mean that we, have any, we don't have money or the resources that we need. It means that we have come to the end of ourselves, that we know that we can't save ourselves, that we are, firstly, we are sinful, secondly, we continue in our sin, and we can't bring ourselves out of, it, out of our sin, that we know that we are dead in our transgressions, and that we are in desperate need of a saviour to bring us out of death and into life. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. When you're poor in spirit, poor in spirit begins when you're at the end of yourself, and that's where Jesus begins. So you've done everything you can to make yourself right, and, you, and even then... The Bible says that our righteousness is like a filthy garment or filthy rags. And not to be crass, but it means menstrual rags. Like, and we, we, when we think about that, that's abhorrent to us. And that is filthy. And that's how great your righteousness is in the sight of God. That's how great my righteousness is in the sight of God. We need his righteousness. And that's why we are poor in spirit. And when we become poor in spirit... It leads us to a space where we are utterly broken in our hearts, and that leads to the next beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn. 
So once we're in the space where we're aware of the fact that we are so utterly sinful and that we can't save ourselves and we need a savior, it brings us to a place where our heart breaks and we mourn for our sin. It brings us to a place of deep regret and leads us to repentance. And then once we come to a space of repentance, we come to a place of gratitude. But not only that, it leads us to look around ourselves and see the sinfulness of mankind. It's not just our sin that we mourn for. We mourn for the sin of others. Because we have gotten to the space where we are mourning for others, we see that and, we, and that we know that God has saved us apart from our good works. We, we can come to a space where we can finally be meek. Blessed are those who are meek. Now, meekness is a very confusing term for a lot of people. A lot of people think that meekness is wimp, wimpy, and meekness is, um, is weak. But, man, Jesus is not a wimp. He's not weak. He is a strong man. I love when the disciples come to Jesus, and, and Jesus says to them, um, who do people say that I am? And the disciples say, well, some say you're John the Baptist. So John the Baptist was the guy who lived in the desert. He, had, he probably had dreadlocks, and he wore like the, the skin of bears, and he ate locusts and honey, and he was a man of the wilderness. He wasn't, and he wasn't a, a, a prissy kind of guy. He was a strong guy. And then you've got, some say Jeremiah. So Jeremiah killed Hundreds, if not thousands of people in battle, in war. He was a mighty man. He was not a weakling. Who else did they say he was like? Some say Elijah. Elijah, again, he was a mighty man, but he was also a man that was completely anointed and a voice to the nation. And he was not... um, He was not backwards in coming forward. He was always speaking God's word directly, passionately, and without um, compromise. Jesus was not a weak man, and yet he was meek. So what is meekness? Meekness is when you are seeking the best of others. To put it very bluntly, when you get a when you realize that you can't save yourself, uh, that none of your good works is is worth anything, then you can become meek and start to seek the best of others. Some say meekness is humility. Humility is a great thing, but I think that there are so many things that encompass being meek. Once we come to the realization of our helplessness and inability to save ourselves, it affects our hearts so much that we mourn over our sin and the sin of the world, it leads a true Christian to meekness, wanting to see the good of others, dying to ourselves in order to grow in unity and love. The goal of meekness is unity and love and seeking the best of others, seeing them come to the knowledge of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Once we come through these first two Beatitudes, 
the instruction manual shifts. We have the first three Beatitudes that all directly target the heart of, of man, that all directly show us our sinfulness. They all directly show us our need for a saviour. They all directly lead us to repentance. And then this fourth one, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. When we are poor in spirit, when we are um, meek and when we mourn over our sin, we hunger for God's righteousness. This leads us to a space where we, we accept Jesus' righteousness, that what he did for us on the cross is sufficient for our past sin, for our present situation and the nature that we find ourselves in and for the future of our walk with him. We are desperate for the bread of life to sustain us. We hunger and we thirst after it. And when I was reading this, and I'm pretty sure I, I did a video about this to our music team, and what the thing that God showed me in, in relation to this is that a hunger and a thirst is um, a satiated uh, feeling. So it's something that we get hungry, then we eat or we drink, and then we go about our, our day, and then we get hungry again. And so we have to eat, and we have to drink. And the bread of life, Jesus being the bread of life, is that is showing us that every single day we need to drink and we need to eat. And so every single day we need to come to the space where God can fill us again with his spirit, where God can fill us again with the bread of life, with the word, and that word is the thing that becomes flesh and dwells among us, and we have it in our hearts so that we can use it to fuel our Christian lives. So we're hungering and we are thirsting after righteousness. All of this work has been done in our inner man. And then the, the Beatitudes or the instruction manual, it shifts its perspective. All of the work that has been done has been for our benefit at this stage. And as we talk about the in-between I, man, I wrote a great song <laughs> the other day, and, it, and it's about this, and we sang one of the, um, the, the chorus the other day, um, and I've been thinking about this in between, and what does it mean to stand in between heaven and earth, being the ambassador for Christ, and, and stepping into the gap for people, and I, I really feel that the, the next couple of Beatitudes are, are the key to what it means to stand in the gap, to live in the in-between, between the already and not yet. When Jesus was lifted up on the cross, he was crowned with thorns as the king of the Jews. He inaugurated the kingdom, and we wait for him to consummate the kingdom when he comes. But until that happens, we are his ambassadors on the earth. We are his body. He is our head. And we are caused to go out and make disciples. So those first, this first 
half of the instruction manual has all been about us and our need for a saviour and our um, sinfulness of heart and his righteousness clothing us and making us clean again. And it leads us to the next beatitude, blessed are the merciful. Because we've been shown mercy, we show mercy. Because we've been shown love, we show love. Blessed are the merciful. Out of the overflow of the mercy that we have, we show mercy. Mercy means unmerited favor. So I think about my children and the mercy that I I show them on a daily basis. When we're parents, like we love our children because we love our children. We don't love our children because of what they do. We don't um, love our children less because of what they do. Also, our mercy covers a multitude of sins that they may commit against us or their siblings or others or their expectations that are unmet are covered by mercy, just as our sin, just as our unmet expectation has been met by God's mercy. Blessed are the pure at heart. The only way for us to have a pure heart is to come before Christ. It's the only way to get a pure heart. And all of these Beatitudes have been leading us to this space where we come before Christ and we confess our sin and we, we confess our deep need for his love, for his goodness, for his mercy to, to come and wash us clean. I love that the psalm from David, create in me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. That is the pureness of heart that I'm talking about, that we were unable to save ourselves and yet we've been saved. And that pure-heartedness leads us to become peacemakers. As I was studying this idea of peacemakers, like I really hadn't thought about it. I really hadn't thought about what does it mean to be a peacemaker. But now that, that, that I've actually looked into it, it makes a lot of sense. I work as a police officer, and I am a peacemaker. I step into situations that I don't have to go into in order to seek a greater peace. I think about the UN peacekeepers, right? And they go into a a place that is full of turmoil in order to create peace, to bring about a a peace. But then you have others who, when you think about um, an army that goes and invades another country because of something that's going on, they do that in order to bring about a bigger peace, a greater peace. So um, our job is to be peacemakers. So peacemakers like meekness that's often, it has been misinterpreted to, believe, to mean like a pushover. But we're, it's not, that is not what we're talking about here. Jesus, when he walks into the temple and he starts to, he, he makes a whip of cords and he starts beating people with a whip or turning over um, the, the tables of the money changers, he's being a peacemaker in that, in that situation. He's creating a riot 
but he's being a peacemaker because there is a greater good that comes in the end of his stepping into and creating a turmoil. And that is what we're called to. That is what we're called to. That means, practically, it means stepping into a person's world and pointing out their sin. It, it means having a hard, hard conversation with your coworker and, and saying, it, when they come to you for advice about you know, why their life is not going the way that they wanted, maybe it means pointing out their need for the Savior. Maybe it means telling them about the instruction manual that we've learned about today, that we are unable. Maybe it means starting a conflict. Maybe it means stepping into a conflict. Jesus says, whatever you do to the least of these, you do unto me. And as we, as we think about the in-between, as we think about what it means for us to, to be his ambassadors here on earth, we need to step in to the in-between. We need to step into people's lives. Uh, over the last couple of months, we've been seeing issues with, um, we've been fighting battles with bushfires and we've been stepping in to the in-between, into people's lives, into their brokenness, into their need, uh, and, and bringing the love of Christ into that space. And that doesn't stop there. At the moment, we have this epidemic of the coronavirus. It is, it is a real thing. It's a thing. And I know at the start, um, in true Australian form, we all looked at it and thought, whatever, like, we live on an island, it's all good. But we don't. We live in a global community. And now we find ourselves um, standing at, at the precipice of what looks like it may be a, a pretty real thing. But we have this hope. We have a hope in Christ. And, and when, I, when I think about Paul... When he says, you know, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I need to hold my life with an open hand because God is the one that sustains me. He's the one that gives me life. And as we walked in here, we washed our hands with hand sanitizer because um, Jesus talks to the disciples. They come to him and they say, hey, we, we tried to cast out this demon, but it wouldn't come out. And Jesus said, yeah, no, no, no. That only comes out through prayer and fasting. So while we have the power, Jesus also gives us practical things that we have to do in relation to, so that we can see his power worked out. And so we wash our hands because we use, we use faith and we use wisdom. We use faith and we use wisdom. So while I love you and I'll pray for you, probably won't put my hands on you because I, don't, I respect you. And we're live streaming right now because we know that some people just can't come. And, it, and some people are, have colds and some people aren't feeling well. And it's wise for them to stay home. It's loving for them to stay home. But there are people in your world that live close to you that need help. There are elderly people that need help. There are disabled people that need help. There are single moms that need help. There are people that not, and it's a real and it's a present help. It's a, it's a fact that they don't have toilet paper and they're not able to go and get some. Um, I'll give a shameless plug to the toilet paper that we buy. It's called Who Gives a Crap? And they 
they not only do they give us toilet paper, but eat, like half of the price of the toilet paper goes to building toilets in the third world. So it comes to you in a box. And there was actually a really funny story I heard last week about a pastor family in um, Brisbane that accidentally bought $3,000 worth of toilet paper um, before this thing even happened. And now they're in a position where they can bless people with toilet paper. So how good is that? Yeah. Blessed are the peacemakers. We're called to be peacemakers as a church to step in to the in-between and be God's workmanship and Jesus' hands and feet. And as we do all of that, blessed are we when we suffer on account of him. Blessed are we when people say all kinds of things about us. But knowing all of this, knowing that we were unable to save ourselves and that he, he died for us even though we were still sinners and that we, we hunger and thirst after his righteousness every day, it leads us to a space where we are unashamed of the gospel of his name. We are unashamed. And it leads us to love as he loved us. It leads us to make disciples of all nations because we can't help it. We can't help it. The more we're with Christ, the more we become like Christ. And the more we become like Christ, the more his heart becomes our heart and we have to go out and do the work that he's called us to. Chris Cornell, I was talking about earlier, he, he penned that song, Show Me How to Live, Show Me How to Live, Show Me How to Live. But late last year, Chris Cornell took his own life. He spent his life trying to learn how to live and ultimately never found it. And today I, I want us to think about the Chris's in our life, in our life, that are crying out for someone to show them how to live because we know how to live. We know the creator of life and he is showing us how to live every day. So in a moment, I just want to pray for us But you might be here struggling to make sense of life. You might be here struggling to understand. You might be here, and your cries show me how to live. And I want to show you how to live. I want to show you and introduce you to the giver of life, the author of all life. He will show you how to live. And we will show you how to know him. You might have a Chris in your life. That, and, and you need that courage to, to step in and, and become that peacemaker, to step into the turmoil of their life without regard for how, what they might think of you or your safety. You might have a Chris in your life. And if you do, I want to pray for you too. 
for listening today. For more episodes and information, please visit our website at c3wc.com forward slash Wallandilly or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash c3wallandilly.